time for the Blind Broadcaster Podcast presented by the Luther King Broadcast Network. Each episode, Luther King sits down with fellow broadcasters to get their insight into their passion for broadcasting and discuss their career journey. Blind from birth, Luther King has never let that stop him from attaining his goal on becoming a blind broadcaster. And now, here's the blind broadcaster himself, Luther King. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Luther King Broadcast Network and the Blind Broadcaster Podcast. My guest this week on the Blind Broadcaster Podcast on the Luther King Broadcast Network slash LKBN is the voice of the three-time Cal League champion, single-A affiliate of the LA Dodgers. And the first time I remember hearing this play-by-play voice was when he was in the St. Louis Cardinals organization at Double A Springfield, the Springfield Cardinals. Mike Lindeskog is my guest this week on this week's episode. Please, as always, rate, subscribe, and review the Blind Broadcaster Podcast on your favorite podcast platform and directory. Because the more stars and reviews this podcast gets, the much easier it is for people to find us. If you have suggestions or ideas for guests that you would like to hear on this podcast, email me at luther.king.tsb at gmail.com. You can also use that address to find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter at King underscore TSB and on Instagram at LKing dot Cardinalsfan85. My guest today is the voice of the Ranch Duke among the Quakes, but I first remember hearing this broadcasting as a double A affiliate broadcaster in the St. Louis Cardinals organization with Springfield in the Texas League. My guest today is Mike Lindskog. Yes, Lindskog, folks. That's, uh, Mike, that's a tough tough last name to pronounce, right? Uh, not, not for de- the de- Depending on how your vocal <laughs> depending on how your vocal diction is, that is. Yeah. Well, you're a pro <laughs> at it because you've been saying it for a number of years. Luther, how are you? Thank you for having me on. No, thanks for the time. And when did you know broadcasting was going to be for you? Or did you even know broadcasting was going to be in your career at all? Oh, gosh. Well, I've been in the, uh, in the minor league game for, uh, you know, 29 seasons now. Uh, my first year was back in 1993. Um, and that was uh, my first year of college, uh, roughly. And uh, at the time, I wanted to go to school and, and get into some, some television broadcasting. And Eventually, that morphed into an opportunity uh, and a desire to, you know, do radio play-by-play, and was was fortunate enough to where I kind of kept my kept my head in the game and, and got a, a couple of opportunities, made the most of them, and um, you know, that's uh, that's kind of the career path that I took. I actually tried out for a, a public address announcer's job with my first baseball team, and while I actually didn't get it, I was selected to be the the backup and, and the music guy, and so that's truly where I got my start. Uh, and like I said, just kind of kept my head down and worked hard and, and took advantage of every opportunity that I got. And eventually that led into uh, a couple of full-time radio play-by-play jobs. And uh, I've skipped across the country over the last you know, 29, 30 years now. It's funny you mentioned PA because I mean, I did a year and a half of public address with um, my first ever gig was seven on seven football. No, there actually, eight on eight, actually. <laughs> so, Yeah. The public address announcing world is an interesting place. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I uh, but you but you grow your guy. chops there though. Yeah, well, I, I uh, I'm a high energy guy, and so I like to to really kind of take it to the next level, get excited, be a little bit loud, and maybe even a little bit obnoxious. Only only on occasion. <laughs> and the beautiful thing about it is, if you you can you can have fun sometimes at the expense of the officials. Sometimes. Oh, who would ever dream of that? Yeah, I, I, I uh, did it for a senior night game with Currington Academy, and it's like all the seniors were starting, and they handed. I mean, I got the officials 
way before the game. So I was able to emboss them and look at them, and I basically said, and now the Zebras for tonight's game. And I got a couple of chuckles out of it. (laughs) I mean, it was was like an interesting tweet because I'm like, I don't know why they get called Zebras, but it's true. They're Zebras. They're striped Zebras for a reason. Yep, well, they're uh, straight out of the jungle, I guess. The uh, <laughs> the the worst thing I've uh, I've done in my career, as far as officials or umpires in this particular case, uh, was when I was on the PA uh, back in Spokane, Washington, in uh, probably the mid '90s, I guess it would have been Spokane and, Indians. Uh, yep, the Spokane Indians of the short season Northwest League, indeed. Um, there was a uh, there was a call. Uh, on a ground ball down the line that actually went in our favor. Uh, so it's not as if the crowd was booing, um, but the, the reaction was was pretty priceless. And again, this is rookie ball. You know, this is guys that are in their first or either second seasons of sure. umpiring. So they're sure. still getting, uh, you know, still getting used to the, the, the speed of the game and, and whatnot. So uh, there was a call that went in our favor, and it was very mm-hmm. clearly a foul ball, but it was called fair the reaction of the third base coach and the runner on third uh, that saw the ball obviously go foul. The runner didn't move. The coach didn't wave him in, you know, nothing like that. Cause they already knew sudden, it was going to go foul. And then all of a sudden, you know, the call on the field is what it is. And you know, the, the third base coach freaks out and like, go, go, go. And the, and the runner, you can tell his body language gives it away. Like, like I'm supposed to go now that, that kind of mentality. Anyways, the, the, uh, like I said, the, the call went in favor of the home team. So, you know, we were elated with the call rather than, you know, dejected by it. Yeah. But as it, as it happened to be, uh, the next half inning break, you know, two or three minutes later after, you know, the manager came out and, and argued and made a complete and necessary scene with the, uh, the home plate umpire who at that time made the call. Did he get in rookie, tossed though? in rookie ball? There's only two umpires. I don't recall that he did. I, <laughs> I, I should have that fact available when telling this story because it is pretty good. <laughs> but as, as it would happen, uh, the next half inning, we had a, uh, a grounds crew read, you know, it was like the, the fifth inning or the sixth inning or whatever. And it was time for the grounds crew to come out and drag the field. And the okay. grounds crew was sponsored by our local, you know, hardware store. Um, and they had, you know, the names on the back and whatnot. like a true value got, or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Something like that. So they had a, a public address announcement that would accompany, you know, the, the fact that they were dragging the field. Oh, sure. And uh, a Vista stadium was the, uh, is, and was the name of the ballpark. And uh, the, the PA read went something like this. Well, fans, the Vista Stadium is the finest facility and has the nicest field in the entire Northwest League. And I modified it on the fly to say something to the effect of, oh, fans, uh, Vista Stadium is the nicest field in Northwest League, also with the straightest foul lines. <laughs> and, and just continued my read and, and just, you know, sat there and read my copy like it was no thing. Mm-hmm. And, and at the end of the read... Uh, the, the vibe in the room had suddenly changed. The umpire who had made the call again, home plate umpire, crew chief, whatever you want to call him. He had come to the back of the screen and the, the press box in Spokane sits very, very high. Um, and so, you know, hearing the umpire through, you know, 4,000 fans is, uh, is, is pretty tough when you're that far away, you know, rather than just being, you know, completely close to the action down at field level. And so I'm very high. Uh, but I've got, you know, guys, the, the music guy next to me and the scoreboard guy that are like, hey, man, umpire looks fired up, you know, except they probably use, you know, some, some different language to, to describe his mentality. I know and, where they're uh, going. And, and I, I looked because I kind of said it sarcastically thinking, oh, there, there will be no repercussions here. There will be no ramifications to, to this little quirky statement. And I could not have been more wrong. And anyway, long story short, the umpire came to the screen and was barking and pointing his finger and I crawled into a shell and hid. I sat there and, and kept eye contact with him, but internally I was hiding like a turtle in a shell. And then that wasn't good enough for him. He, he demanded to, to get a radio, you know, a walkie talkie so that he could, um, so that he could, you know, talk to me up in the, up in the booth. Cause he knew I had access to a radio and a walkie talkie. Anyways, he grabs, the the radio the walkie talkie from our president at the time his name is Andy Billig and he loves to tell this story but he he grabs the the walkie talkie from Andy and he starts barking and screaming for probably 15 20 seconds but he never pushed the button and so i didn't hear a single word he said 
and Andy, ever so gently and courteous to the umpires, waits for him to finish his rant, and he goes, yeah, you got you to gotta push the button in order for him to hear you. And, and if that wasn't like the line of the century, it was, it was really funny. Anyways, he, he learned in that moment how to use that walkie-talkie. He exercised his right to do so, and over the next 20 seconds, he sat there and just tore me a new one, said, you do your job, I'll do mine. We don't need your extracurricular comments and so on and so forth and I just nodded my head and mm -hmm. I remember Andy Andy shortly thereafter made his way up to the press box to uh what I thought was going to scold me and basically and, be you know, your last me, public address gig ever no doubt the butterflies in my stomach were were tremendous and he comes up the stairs and, and there's a long staircase and they're metal so you can hear anyone walking and so like the anticipation <laughs> and the uh it was it was like it the was just, it was it was just like incredible the, to it felt like it the was, executioner was, for the. It was like felt like the executioner at the gallows on the Green Mile when the when the dude's about to go to the electric chain, oh. the electric chair chamber, and you're like, okay, this is it. <laughs> yeah, it was the the electric chair of firing. So he comes up, he hits the door. I turn around with the words, "I'm so sorry," just ready to just fall off my tongue and and just beg and plead for my job. And he walks in and totally shocked me. And the first words out of his mouth were, that was awesome. <laughs> and the, the fact that I'm, I'm sure part of it was the fact that he got to correct the umpire after his 15 or 20 second rant with the line, you got to push the button in order for, for him to hear you speak. Um, I, wonder, just, I wonder whatever moment. happened to that umpire. I wonder whatever I, happened I, to that said um, I. I I don't know. I don't know that I'd even reveal his name this late in the game. This is uh, now 25 years later, probably. But I'd, I'd love to know who that was. That's a long time ago. Were there any opportunities at the high school level to do any PA or play-by-play? -play, or was that later when you started no. doing your public address work? Yeah, I went to a very small uh, high school in Reardon, Washington, and uh, the, the level and the classification was, was quite low. So, you know, we didn't have, you know, the fancy stadiums and the huge fan base. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's not Friday Night Lights in Texas by any means. So the opportunities there at the high school level were, were pretty minimal for me while in high school. Uh, they, they grew as I got into college and, and started to do some other high school work, you know, PA, color, play-by-play uh, -play for, for both football and basketball. So those opportunities grew uh, as I grew with my career, you know, a couple of years later, you know, tail end of college years, uh, early 20s, that type of thing. So answer me this. What did you feel like you learned from that public address fiasco with the foul ball, the umpire and everything else from your early days that you still carry to now, even though you're not doing <clears throat> public address anymore, but doing PXP? I, I would say Sure. Would you, would you I, say? I think, would you say the? Would you say always be sure that and be mindful that even though your mic's not on, pretend like the red light's on. Well, I've I've never uh, made a mistake and and talked when I'm not supposed to talk. You know, there's there's been a, a couple of unfortunate situations this year, in fact, where guys have been on the air or or even you know over the internet with the tweeting stuff. We've had a couple of really unfortunate kind of ugly incidents. Uh, yes, and, we and have. They, they, they've, they've lost their jobs because of it. And I've, Sadly. I've never been uh, been I've never made that mistake where I've said, you know, something that obviously was was inappropriate, whether it be, you know, intended to be funny or, you know, in, in taken any other way. So I've never made that mistake. So I can't I can't speak to that. But I would say the one thing I, I very much learned from that moment is, is a, a softer lesson. It was for me personally, um, you know, one of the reasons I've been you know, successful, if you could call it that in this career is, is I've, I've definitely pushed the envelope uh, and I've had the ability to usually not a hundred percent of the time, because I've made mistakes and, and some which, which might even be regrettable. Um, but usually I know where the line is and, and I will toe that line uh, every now and then just to get a reaction, just to get some, to, to have some fun. Um, you know, not necessarily always at the umpire's expense, like right. in this particular story. Uh, mm -hmm. But I'm a guy that's, you know, my, my voice is, is okay in my own head. You know, I, I, I'm not Vin Scully. Uh, you know, I don't. Nobody's Vin. I mean, nobody's Vin Luther. Um, you know, I, I don't have that, that amazing set of pipes to where I can just, you know, call a boring game, but just the dulcet tones carry me through to my next gig. Like I'm not fortunate enough. So I have to be witty. I, I think I have to be probably a little funnier than your average bear. 
Um, and it, it's worked for me. And, and I, I would just encourage, you know, as the lesson is, you know, whatever works for you, play to your strengths. Uh, and that's, that's really what I did. You know, I'm, I'm a bit of a witty guy. I'm a funny guy. I try to let that carry out, whether it's on the air or, or in, in this example, over the PA system. And, you know, traditionally it's worked for me. And again, that, that isn't to say that I haven't made some mistakes along the way or, you know, I had my butt grilled a, a, a time or two by an umpire or a staff member, um, you know, and then the same could be applied to today's social media. Uh, there's been, you know, a, a time or two where, you know, you, you tweet something or you try to express something on social media that's, oh, this is funny. This is sarcastic. This is witty. This is right up my alley. And then an hour later or two weeks later, whatever the case may be, it's just, it's not funny at all. And in fact, it's, it's borderline inappropriate. And you're like, what was I thinking? Or, you know, I've been called into the principal's office before regarding that. And again, that's all a learning experience. But again, I, I don't, I don't tend to err on the side of caution in a lot of things I do. Social media for one is certainly something that I think I and a lot of people could benefit for erring on the side of caution, especially when you're in a public role like this or, or leadership uh, to where your words can be, um, can be put out there and, and, and you may not have a job the next day. So you, you got to be careful and you got you to gotta have some respect for what you're doing. Thank you for the yogi for the yogiism smarter than the average bear. But that does sure. bring me to this. How do you, as a PXP voice, mentally and maybe physically too, know when you're at the line or close to crossing it? And how do you make sure that you back yourself away from making sure that you don't do something regrettable to where you don't have your job? Well, I don't know that I've ever felt like, boy, what I just said there might get me into trouble and lose my job. I've definitely said some things uh, regarding perhaps the, the play of a team that I was covering or the efforts or actions of an individual player that was either from you know the opposing team or the team I covered. Um, I've definitely said some things, turned off the microphone and gone. Man, their family's going to be pissed that I said that, but it's mm-hmm. you know it's it's true. Or or man is is the organization probably going to frown on that comment, but you know don't be lazy in front of me. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Um, you know do do the right thing. You know don't throw your bat at the umpire. I can think of a situation in my career where um, there was a young player who you know was 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 this guy. You know he had all the tools in the world, and he was mm-hmm. supposed to be the starting outfielder at the big league level in three years, and so on and so forth. He had a bad attitude and he was lazy and he had Didn't some put calls. in work. Yeah. You know, he, he had some calls go against him on a particular night. He struck sure. out and he turned, he looked at the umpire and he threw his bat down at the ground, but it was, you know, it was half throw the bat at the ground half. I'm going to throw this bat so close to the ground and so close to you. I probably don't mean for it to hit you, but I'm going to make a point by throwing it at the ground that it's going to be so close to you that it's going to get your attention. And, you know, he threw the bat on the ground and it was too close to the umpire. It jumped up, it hit him in the leg. And I was like, he should be suspended for 10 games. Like that's just, that is so not what this is about. And, and I, I went off on the air like that. And it definitely was a moment of, of reflection afterwards where I was like, man, I was obviously too opinionated. I mean, you know, and, may, and maybe emotion and emotion probably played into it, but how do you, but the thing is, we're humans. We're emotional. We, you know, we will yeah. probably say stuff that we regret later. But the thing is, how do you, you know, make sure that you're as accurate as possible with the facts without being a jerk off? Right. Because well, for a lot I mean, of broadcasters, is, it's tough. Right. Well, and that is the the, the ten thousand dollar question. And I would say it's evolving. You know, I'm, I'm I'm like I said, I'm I'm not perfect. I've made mistakes. I'll continue to make mistakes. Hopefully, if minor league baseball comes back next year, I'll get the opportunity to, to make a mistake next year. Uh, hopefully not too bad of one. Uh, but I'm just, I'm excited to, to call some baseball. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's just about having discipline, you know, as uh, however you were born and raised by your folks or whoever might've, you know, instilled the, the ethics and the morals that, that, that you day to day by, you know, at the end of the day, you got to know what's over the line. And while, I definitely have been critical and some would say overly critical, you know, I've always been honest. Um, and I have even, you know, said, you know, I was, uh, that was maybe a little inappropriate for me to, uh, say that on the air just now, like that, that probably 
Uh, I'll, I'd like to take that back. I apologize if, if that was just a little too much over the line. I haven't said that often by any means, but again, you know, you talk for four hours a night for 140 plus games a year for 25, 30 years, there's going to be some things that come out of the old grill that, that you're going to think, you know, was that the smartest thing I could have said? And, and so, you know, you, you wear it, you, you acknowledge it and, and hope. And it germinates in your brain because you know you want to say it, but you don't want to say it the way you're sure. Because if you say it the way you're thinking it, you're probably going to get fired same day. Like sure, Lane Kiffin yeah, but, when he came back from the tarmac after getting embarrassed oh, yeah. at Southern Cal. There you that go. That could yeah, be a no possibility. Doubt. No doubt. The, uh, your deodorant will get tested and all of your, uh, your hormones will, uh, will definitely be tested and, and you'll start to sweat and start to panic and uh, you'll, you may have a, a breakdown or two, but yeah, you gotta, you gotta be sharp. You gotta be disciplined and you, you gotta know where that line is. And, and if your if your style is, you know, modest and, and not necessarily um, one that's going to push the envelope, maybe you don't need to worry about it. But for me, you know, I'm a guy that kind of lives and dies by the, by the, you know, the energy and, and the wittiness. Uh, so it's, it's something I've got to pay attention to. Who was the broadcast you were working, even though you were doing public address, who were the broadcasters you dealt with in Spokane at that time? And who were your broadcasting mentors that showed you the ropes and, or did you basically had to teach yourself mentally how to do it besides getting, besides getting repetitions, of course, we always talk about repetition, 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 but what other things did you learn from other broadcasters that you used, even though you didn't have a gig at that point in time, PXP wise, but as a public address that carried you into the broadcast booth? Sure. I would, I would say that, uh, you know, for the most part, I was always self-taught, but the reason I was self-taught is because I listened to what I believed was, you know, the, the greatest generational broadcaster on the planet when I grew up. And, and you think I'm going to say Vin Scully, but I grew up in Spokane, Washington. While this name may not resonate with a lot of baseball fans in today's world, uh, those that are old school will definitely appreciate it because he's passed away by now. Uh, his name was Dave Niehaus, and he was the, the play-by-play. Yeah, play sadly, he died in 2000. Yeah, I the Seattle Mariners. And, and love that was, guy. Yeah, he was an absolute gem and, and an idol. And while I knew of Vin Scully and Jack Buck on the national level, you know, the energy, energy for game days, of the week. Though. Yeah, yeah, you know, Grand Slam, Grand Slams were rye bread and mustard, get out the old Grand Salami and, uh, you know, fly, fly away for home runs. And, you know, the guy was just, he was a 10 for me. And, and growing up as a kid, you know, and sneaking, you know, the clock radio into into your bedroom and listening to, you know, the post-game show and the ninth inning, you know, when you were supposed to be, you know, that was a rite of passage for a kid, you know, growing up in Spokane, Washington. And even though the parents, that, so. even though your parents thought you were asleep. Yeah, allegedly. I really don't think they thought I was asleep. They probably knew what nonsense I was up to. But uh, I would say a lot of, it was a good lot of things. Yeah, for sure. So I would I would very much say that, you know, I'd emulate myself uh, after Dave Niehaus. And then from a from a mentor perspective, uh, another tragic passing here just within the last week. But Washington State Cougars. Bob uh, Robinson. Yeah. Bob Robertson. Yes, he, he just recently passed away. And last, I think um, it was last he, Wednesday. Yeah, just just about a week ago now. So yeah, he uh, he truly was a, a mentor, and and he showed me um, not just ropes in regards to minor league baseball, um, but he also showed me just ropes of you know being on the road, just you know some, some life lessons along the way. And we got the opportunity to work together for you know a season or two, not not quite in the same capacity as a, as a true you know play by play and color guy would spend you know twenty four seven together, but. We had several opportunities to work together, and, and certainly I had, had admired him from afar um, in Spokane. You know, that's only two hours away from Pullman, uh, and, and, of course, the, the Cougs are a big deal in Spokane. So, you know, touchdown Washington State was a mm-hmm. uh, was a staple call in my childhood, Tell even though come, I didn't necessarily – yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I didn't necessarily root for the, the Cougs growing up nor in, in life uh, altogether, but, uh, you know, he was awesome and just – you know, he was a, a terrific human being as well. So up loss for, for our community up there and, and certainly for the broadcast world as well. Another guy that told me about um, Robinson that he also idolized his style was another guy that was on this podcast. who has been the longtime voice of Washington, of Eastern Washington, actually. 
kind of a one double A lower level school for the one double A playoffs was Larry sure. Weir. Larry Weir. Yeah. You bet. And Larry's <clears throat> Larry worked in Northwest League with Bob for a number of years, so no doubt. And then Bob Robinson did color along with uh, Jason Gesser in his last little bit before he officially retired because Chasnow has been the voice of the Cougs for a while, for a little bit now, football and basketball. I know, sure. I think um, <clears throat> Bob Robinson, Jason Gesser, and Matt Chasnow, and now it's Matt Chasnow and somebody else. I think it's Alex Brink or somebody on his on color, and they have the same sideline person that they've had for the while, so a bit. There you go. But I, yeah. I, you know, I've listened to some Washington State action when Robinson was, when he couldn't do play by play anymore, and then they just slid him over to color. Right. And then he would, you know, he would just slide in with his comp with, you know, color along with uh, Jason Gesser. So, I mean, it, it was a nice three-man both. Yeah, that's that's great. You know, I, I don't know how his uh, how his color stood up and, and against the test. Here's, here's the thing. His color years, was okay. Yeah. His yeah, color. To hear. And it, it felt like he, he didn't he didn't lose anything. Even though that's he wasn't fantastic. doing the actual play-by-play like he was for so long. But. It's it's like it's like what Larry Clisby's doing now with men's basketball at Purdue. Rob Blackman's doing the play by play, and Larry Clisby's doing color. I know Jerry Allen from time to time, who was the longtime voice for basketball. He still just does football, but he'll time from time to time will do color. And it feels like they don't lose much of anything, even though now the young broadcaster slid into it, you know, the veteran's chair. Sure. Sure. And I'm in Southern California now and have been for, for, you know, the last 11 years. And so I've, I've missed out on, on listening to Bob Robertson, you know, over those uh, last several years that he what was you on picked the up some guy, What you so. picked up on other guys, Pete Arbogast or football or Southern Gap. Sure. Sure. There you he's, go. He's, he's done it. He's done it forever and ever. Yeah. That's a great local name. No doubt. But for you, we could name drop broadcasters all day long to the cows come home. <laughs> but um, besides the public years, what was your first actual official PXP job, or was it the Springfield job, or did that come later? No, the Springfield Cardinals job came uh, much later in life in, in 2005 during their inaugural season. I was lucky enough to, to get that gig. So my first um, full-time play-by-play gig uh, coming out of Spokane, which was my hometown, I wasn't the lead guy, as I suggested. You know, Bob Robertson was the, uh, was the lead guy there for the Indians. Uh, but the High Desert Mavericks, formerly of the uh, of the California League, back in the day in 2001, that was my first true. You know, and I think day-to-day. Bakersfield just left the to left that league not too long not too long ago. Correct. Yeah, Bakersfield and High Desert were both pulled out of the California League in 2016 at the end of the 16 season, um, and that reduced the the number of teams in the Cal League from 10 to eight. So um, I got fond memories of High Desert, even though. You know, the stadium maybe left a little something to be desired. Uh, they always said the press box up at High Desert was not the best in the world. I think one of the old no, voices of the sound, one of the old voices yeah. of the sounds, I think Chuck Valenches told me, I think he worked over there too at one point. Chuck Valenches did indeed work in High Desert. And he told, me, I, now he told me that it was not the best accommodating broadcast position for High Desert because you couldn't tell if a home run was fair or foul from where you were sitting. Yeah, they had some sight line issues, no doubt, but that's uh, that's true in probably one or two parks in in every league, uh, not named AAA. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it, it was a it was a, a tough situation, but certainly one that that I appreciated, and made the most of while I was there, and you know, you make relationships in that community, and gosh, I miss those fans, and I hated to see the Mavs leave the California League, not because of my own selfish reasons, but because. You know, the fans of High Desert certainly deserved a, a better fate with their team and their franchise. Unfortunately, they don't both, have baseball Both, both those franchises. Both yeah, that's, that's unfortunate. And same, same <laughs> with Bakersfield. I just have less, you know, connections mm-hmm. in the bank. What's the best stadium in the Cal League that you go to? Would you, would you think it's the one that uh, Jill's in with Vesalia, with the Rawhide, as the first female PXP boys over there? Well, yeah, that that stadium is probably eight of eight on the uh, on the likable list. Uh, that's 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 probably the the stadium in most need to uh, be updated and upgraded. So their their press box situation has always been worse, even than than High Desert. Um, mm. High Desert always had a press box. Visalia has a picnic table uh, that you know adults can't sit at. It's just the 
kids. How do you, how do you how do you deal with the equipment though? Because if you if you got a if you got a wobbly picnic table or one false move, you accidentally kick it. You're off the air. Oh, there's much more uh, pitfalls than that even. So it's uh, there's obviously being outdoors. There's no air conditioning. Uh, there's barely any shade, and I don't know if you heard, but the sun shines in California pretty, pretty. Frequently. Yeah, they say they say, they say it never. There was an old yeah. Tony Tony's one that says it never rains in Southern California. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You got wild, so, when you got wildfires going down there right now, yeah, you can you kind of figure that storm comes into hot into play at some point. Yeah, so it's a uh, it, it's a challenge to broadcast in Visalia, and if they chose to to put ten thousand dollars into their little area that they call a press box. Uh, I would be elated. So it's uh, it's tough sledding out there. You know, you got worries that your equipment's going to overheat and malfunction. Um, you know, the internet could could go just because it's again. You know, you're outside and those routers aren't meant to be run at at 105 degree temperatures. And then you know when the sun is setting and so on and so forth. Um, it's, it's, it's tough on the equipment. It's tough on your person. Um, you know, you're, you're not near the bathroom. You're not near a water fountain or a, you know, a refrigerator or anything like that. So there's not really much to, to get excited about regarding Visalia, but how do you, they, are, how do you, they are under new ownership. So hopefully, hopefully we can stay trending in the right direction. How do you mentally keep yourself in shape and sharp in conditions like that? Because I know for a lot of people they were doing a broadcast like that they probably quit in third inning and that game wouldn't even be finished yeah i mean you know it's your job so you know it's it's sink or swim you know you uh you you go forward and and tough it out i mean it's a story you know it's it's got some talking points uh one of the neat things is you're you're right on top of the action you're in the crowd just make sure you don't um, get so, a five ball hit your, make sure you just don't oh, get a five ball sure. hit your laptop yeah, yeah, well, and that's a that's a that's a wicked problem to have, no doubt. But uh, yeah, there's all kinds of things that can go wrong in Visalia. But it's also really cool because you are in the mix, you're right there in the crowd, you know, for better or for worse. Because you get some guy that's had a, a few too style beverages, and all of a sudden he starts hooting and hollering in your crowd microphone, or worse, he realizes that the microphone is is live, and then he starts lingering around so that he can yell into your microphone just to, to be a just to be a, a, a tough guy. And then you, and then you as the broadcaster have to cut down the mic because then you're like, Oh Jesus, how are we going to get yep. this game in with this knucklehead right in front of us? Yeah. So I'm, I'm pretty aggressive though. Usually I'll, I'll turn it down and be like, Hey, sir, I got a live microphone here. So, you know, the language is tone it down and yeah, you screaming at the microphone is, is not going to happen. So I've, I've definitely given some looks and some, and a, and a feel of, maybe I'm a bigger deal than I am like, Oh, I can call security and you'll be out of here in a second. I would never say that out loud, but I've, I've certainly portrayed and given that look like you don't want to make me call security kind of a thing. So. <laughs> Cause of course, you know, I'm uh, I'm five, 10 and a half and about a buck 65 and there's, there's no chance of on a good day. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not taking that guy down <laughs> on a good day. But anyway, back to your first gig, we went all the way around the world and we forgot we the questions. <laughs> You bet. High Desert was my first gig. I was there for three and a half years before I went on to El Paso, Texas, and, and uh, enjoyed the last year of the Diablos. Before now the Chihuahuas. With eventually came the Chihuahuas, yeah. The current voice of the team, Tim Haggerty. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I'm glad you've got all these names uh, top of mind because as, as a guy getting older and older in the game, boy, that's uh, – if I was on a game show, I'll take uh, El Paso voices for 500, Alex. I'd be, huh? I'd, I'd, I'd come up empty. <laughs> so I'm glad, I'm glad you got it under control, Luther. Speaking of Jeopardy, they did, I saw something on Twitter about they're going to protect Alex Trebek at all costs during the pandemic. I'm like, well, duh. He's been doing Jeopardy for almost 40 years. Don't he's you find a way to treasure? Don't, don't yeah, you, don't you find treasure. a way to protect that guy at yeah, all you costs? Gotta, you got you to gotta keep him clean. Mask him up, no doubt. Yeah, hazmat suit. Yeah, right. He'd look awfully funny dressed as Walter White. So <laughs> he, uh, the, uh, the, the trip in El Paso, you know, the, the tenure in El Paso lasted for, for less than a calendar year before I eventually landed in Springfield, Missouri for their inaugural season. Just an incredible opportunity. You know, team owned and operated by the St. Louis Cardinals, brand new double A ballpark, all the bells and whistles, and, and such a great community and great baseball fans with Cardinal fans. That was that was a great five years, and then eventually uh, left once again for the West Coast uh, and returned here 
to the West Coast and landed in Rancho Cucamonga, California. That's uh, that's not for the the weak minded uh, to say out loud over and over. Rancho Cucamonga, and uh, I've worked and I for the Rancho Cucamonga the Quakes. I yes. love the opens that you guys put together with train leaving on Kite Five for Anaheim, Azusa, and Cucamonga. Yes, Great. that is some old. Yep, that is some old Jack Benny stuff. There's a Jack Benny statue within uh, within our community. It actually went in front of our ballpark. But that line is from the old Jack Benny radio show, and that is my tribute and my nod to to our community history and to a, a legend in the comedy world, Jack Benny. Uh, so indeed, yes, uh, train leaving for track five, Anaheim, Azusa, and Cucamonga. Uh, and they actually <laughs> named Cucamonga after, uh, after Jack Benny. So it was a... Uh, pretty 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 great uh, little circle of life there in rancho well, so i've been in rancho cucamonga for uh since november of 2009 now so we're looking at uh, 11, 11 years, years and strangely and, and if you and if you or, and a few organizational changes a few team a few organization baseball organizations parent clubs yeah for for the quakes specifically um you know dodgers for the last 10 years angels prior to that uh prior to my tenure they were affiliated with the padres and then of course i've I've had a number of affiliates, uh, you know, in my lifetime, you know, the, the Spokane Indians were Kansas city and, and, and San Diego during my time there. Uh, not in that order. Uh, I went to high desert and they were Milwaukee. I went to, uh, El Paso and it was Arizona, obviously St. Louis owned the Cardinals in Springfield. Uh, and then back out here to the California league with the angels and Dodgers. So I've definitely had some great regional affiliates, uh, through a lot of that. And of course with Spokane, George Brett, uh, and his brother Bobby uh, and JB, they're the uh, they're the ownership group. So to to have at the time, uh, the Bretts not only own and operate the team, but enjoy a Kansas City Royals affiliation was was really cool back in the day. And of course, the Bretts still own the club in Spokane, but now they're affiliated with Texas. But that is long since I've uh, moved on. But back up a second. When you were with the El Paso Diablos, did you make the trek to Round Rock, and were the Express even? thought of at the time or was there a team in round rock at that time when you were in oh yeah uh, they were Paso? yeah they were the round rock express they were yeah they were double a at the time and obviously the texas league underwent uh some changes you know with uh with some other franchises shreveport and round rock and and what have you and obviously san antonio here a couple of years um so yeah we uh we got to go to round rock and it was uh just a, a beautiful stadium and that was that was round rocks last year at the double a level so in 2005 uh they jumped to Triple uh, A, the Pacific Coast League, and, uh, and they've they were been there ever the since. Yep, they were replacing that league by the Corpus Christi Hooks, who mm-hmm. then became the, the Houston Astros affiliate. And of course, that means Mike Caps has been the boys of Round Rock probably since their inception. I think even before that, <laughs> maybe. Well, I remember I remember Mike Caps when he was here when he was here in Nashville with you Selby for a while. Oh yeah, there you go. There's so. another. There's another name that's familiar. So was Rancho when you started to think about putting feelers out through STA on getting internships for broadcasters where they can do a few of the innings of play-by-play plus maybe do some of the um, extra billboard work? Yeah. So when I got to Rancho, um, you know, our first couple of years, it was just me and, and, and me only for nine solid innings. And then, uh, in 2014, we welcomed a, uh, a young kid out of college, Northwestern, who was just a terrific broadcaster and looking to get some experience. Brandon Liebhaber was his name. Uh, and, and he was the, the first in what has now become a, a really neat tradition uh, of guys that are basically fresh out of college and grow the broadcast wings. And, uh, you know, the opportunity in Rancho is, is one that, that I would argue is as good of, uh, you know, broadcast opportunity as there is out there. Uh, certainly there's some things that need to line up. It's really more geared for the local student. Brandon in particular in 2014, that first year was, was from Los Angeles. He was a big Dodgers fan. Um, and so he did uh, just a phenomenal job for us in 2014. And then, and then we kind of built the, the program from there, but yeah, we've uh, we routinely post on STAA, which yes, I, and I I have applied at least twice for that position. <laughs> at least, <laughs> yeah, STAA. Even though I've been out of even yeah. though I've been out of school for God knows how long, but it, I'm like it would be awesome <laughs> if I could work with it at least for a season just to see you know yeah. how you work and how you would tweak it for a 
you know, a broadcast sure. who actually has no eyesight. Yeah, well, you know, we'd uh, we'd try to accommodate as best we can. There's there's definitely some challenges there, but but certainly I got faith in you. But um, if you make your way to the West Coast, I would promise you that I'll at least get you in the booth for a few innings and uh, and let you take a take a stab at it. You think I'm going to teach you? I'm pretty sure you could teach me something as well. I think there's a lot to learn, Luther. You're well, I'll put it this way, young I, man. It would be it would be a win win for myself, or probably a win win for you, but probably mostly for me because. The more I can get, the better, because I'm always looking to, you know, just improve all my craft. I mean, there's no way I'm ever going to be a person that's going to say, oh, I've learned everything. If you think you've learned everything, you're lying to yourself because you know there's always something else to learn. Boy, speak, speak, preach, no doubt. All that's true. So I, I, I admire you, though, Luther. You've, uh, you and I have known each other since, you know, somewhere in the if my math is right, I think you and I, I think started talking when you were in Springfield. Yep, yep. Probably, I want to say either 2006 or 2007 would have been our first correspondence. And by you know, phone, we've, uh, if my we've, we've stayed. Right. Yeah, we've we've stayed in touch, and and I admire what you've done. You've uh, you've obviously had some some hurdles that you've had to overcome, and I think you set a great example for uh, a lot of broadcasters. But I do have a few other questions though, like the when you were doing Springfield on 98.7. When the when you guys were doing the music, was that a station thing, or was that something came up with that made it sound a little more like the disco duck thing, and they didn't really use highlights at the time? I, I refresh my memory on what you're what you're saying. Like the, the, the station you, was a sports talk. What what are you talking about? Music with the uh, broadcast the, with the broadcast opens and stuff. Oh yes, okay. With the uh, the broadcast opens. So yeah, I mean that's. Um, uh, the, the music with the yeah, with the music with the the intros and the and the voiceovers and the, the sponsors and what have you. That all came together nicely, and we've we've you know I've implemented that everywhere I've gone. Um, I've self-produced all those, you know, and, and gotten the music and, and had the, the highlights cut in there and spliced uh, as to be part of it. And I really like them. I, I know you're a big fan as well, and mm -hmm. I think they've, they've turned out nice year after year. And and obviously they're they're a sponsor tool as well, you know. Um, there are all kinds of um, dollars spent at the ballpark and, and, you know, radio broadcast is, is part of that. And, uh, you know, we try to make it special for the, the sponsors that are, you know, purchasing 30 second commercials during our broadcast and, and integrate, you know, just an extra little name drop into the, you know, Quakes Baseball tonight brought to you by Budweiser and Azusa Pacific University and mm -hmm. so on and so forth. Um, now, I remember you were on 1510 speaking of Rancho. Uh, what was it? WRCA it was more like a jazz slash. It was like a smaller station, and I don't know if it was the issue with them picking up the feed, or sometimes it was you at the stadium and the line just drop, and they would play music until they picked you back up on fifteen ten on the AM side. Yeah, fifteen ten underwent uh, a number of changes while we were on that frequency. It. Uh... They used to call it the spa and it was light listening and then it became talk and then it uh, became, I believe, Korean radio. <laughs> um, and so, you know, not, not, a, not a great fit for us. We were long gone by the time it went to Korean radio. Um, but uh, yeah, it, uh, it was a nice fit at the time. It had a nice strong AM signal. What's it like now that you have iHeartRadio as a part of now oh, they've been on awesome. Radio 1290? Because I, I tried to find you guys, but apparently I don't know why I couldn't pick it up because I tried to, you know, find it. Oh yeah. The, the online stream is available and it's, you know, through that iHeart platform, which is a, a national brand. So they've been awesome. And we've got, uh, you know, some great relationships with the, the, the gang down there. Uh, the guys that, that run the production and, and the, the gal that, you know, is basically our point of contact that, that handles everything. They're just, they've been awesome. And, and we're, we're big fans of the work that they do. And, um, you know, we were on a, uh, an all sports, you know, Fox station for uh, 13, a number of years yeah. and, yep, and that was, that was a great fit for us. Uh, and recently we've moved over to uh, their, their news talk station, which again, not perfect for us, but good signal strength and continue to, you know, do that. I heart relationship, which is, has been a, a win for us and, and they've, they've just been great to work with. So they've been awesome. Last thing, and I'll let you go because I know you got to be a family guy and take care of <laughs> the youngin. Indeed. <clears throat> um, what is your role besides PXP Voice with your day-to-day -day operation with the Quakes? 
what is my what does my role look like with uh, day, with day, the play yeah. by play? Your, yeah, Dane. And how do well, how do you how do you get all your prep work in with like rosters and making sure you have all the right notes and things like that while still doing your day to day oppo? Sure. Well, I'm in a unique situation in that, you know, I've been with the same organization for, for a long time, you know, outside my, my five years in Springfield. Um, you know, I've basically been with uh, Brett sports, uh, for 25 years. So, you know, it's a, it's an organization and a philosophy that I know really well and, and they know, you know, what they've got in me as well. And so we've been able to strike a nice balance. I'm lucky enough to where I've been employed. Uh, you know, in the off season, it's a, it's a 365, you know, seven day a week gig for me. Um, you know, whereas some broadcasters are simply, you know, show up in mid March or first of April, you know, call the games, walk out the door in September. And that's, it's different for me as, as I'm, you know, involved in the sales and the marketing and the promotions and so on and so forth. And, um, you know, have a hand in, in a lot of those pots. Um, and so it's, uh, it's, it's been nice. Uh, in saying that, though, it, it does present its challenges from a broadcast perspective is unfortunately you can't devote, you know, every uh, second that you have to to your broadcast and your prep and, and just, you know, making sure that your craft is is up to speed. Um, but in saying that, you know, you, you strike a balance. So I've got, you know, everything from, you know, the, the typical broadcaster duties to, you know, preparing game notes and, and doing lineups and, uh, you know, distributing all that, the statistical packs to the media and the managers and the coaches and what have you. And then you got to find a balance where, you know, it's, it's bobblehead night and it's your client that's featured on the bobblehead. And so you've got them in a suite and you got to make time to, to go visit them and make sure, you know, all the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed and so on and mm -hmm. so forth. And you gotta, you gotta be sponsor guy instead of radio guy. And, so, you know, it's uh, it's a challenge, but but certainly one that that I, I think I've, um, you know, been pretty good at uh, in, in recent years. And, and certainly there are challenges and there's always, you know, there's always things that you wish you had more time for. And certainly, um, you know, I, I dedicate a lot of time to the to the sponsorship side of things. And I would say that radio, unfortunately, takes a back seat in a lot of ways. And, and sometimes that suffers on the broadcast and. You know, where it does suffer, I, I try to make up for it with enthusiasm and energy and, and just being witty. And then obviously, as you as you suggested a little earlier, you know, our, our number two position, you know, whoever's calling the games with me, some of that also falls on them so that they can at least be the educated one on the broadcast about, you know, tonight's opposition and who's pitching and whatnot. It's not as if I wouldn't know and, and don't have, you know, some clue, uh, but certainly – that position and, and that person in that role is doing a, a lot of game prep to make sure that somebody on the broadcast sounds super sharp. You know what I mean? Yep. Whoa. This has been a blast, but let me close out with this real quick. Are you still using the ever popular catchphrase from the Sugar Ray song, every morning, shut the door, baby, don't say a word. And number two, how often does your number two person travel with you? Or are they just doing home games? Well, I'll, I'll start with the latter there. So uh, the, the number two person traditionally over the last several years has uh, traveled on selected trips. We're, we're lucky okay. enough in the California League to where we have some commuter series. You know, the trip to San Bernardino is 25 minutes. The trip to Lake Elsinore is 35 to 40 minutes. Uh, and so they'll, they'll typically come along for those games and you know, ride the bus and, and kind of gain that experience and, and see what, you know, life on the road to a certain extent is like. It, it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't give you the full perspective until you're overnighting on the hotel and you've got a seven hour bus ride and the bus breaks down and there's nowhere to eat and nowhere to go to the bathroom. But you don't get all that perspective until you get on the bus headed for, uh, you know, Stockton and, and the bus breaks down when it's 115 out. But uh, yeah, they, they get a pretty good experience and, and they do get to travel a little bit and then they, they do get to overnight in a, in a handful of hotels as well later in the season, assuming that they're, their work is up to speed and it's a nice reward for them to, to go on the road with me and, awesome. uh, and get some, some innings up North. Awesome. The first question that you asked there <laughs> as part of your two part question is yes. Uh, I do use shut the door, baby. Don't say a word after every save and after, uh, after every win uh, <laughs> where there would be a, a close call or a, one-run game or something to that effect. So I'm a guy that uh, that enjoys his pop culture. Uh, although the pop culture, as I get into my 40s, is is less and less. And now I guess I I'm calling it 90s and, and early 2000s culture because I'm not so pop much anymore. So hey, it could be worse. Yep. 
could be worse, but I'm raising a six and a half year old right now. So it's uh, at some point I'm going to probably have to figure out who post Malone and Drake are so that I know, uh, at least you're getting a head start. Yeah. Yeah. Don't care much for him currently, but at some point I'm sure it's going to be jammed down my throat if they're still relevant in five years. So we'll see. Well, I'll will, put it this way. In the in the music industry, they're probably going to be irre- irrelevant in about three years if if we're lucky. <laughs> there you go. So <laughs> Luther, it's been a pleasure, man. Let's uh, let's do it again at some point. Yeah, and hopefully when we do this again, hopefully we'll actually have games to talk about. I sure hope so. Thank you for inspiring me, Luther. You're well, uh, you. you're you're doing great things there, man. Keep it up. You got it, Mikey. My thanks to the radio voice of the Rancho Cucamonga Quakes. Three-time defending Cal League champions, Mike Lenskog, for being on the pod this week. Please, as always, rate, subscribe, and review the Blind Broadcaster Podcast through the Luther King Broadcast Network on your favorite podcast directory and platform. The more reviews and stars we get will allow people to find our podcast and we climb up the charts. You can find me on Facebook, and you can email me guests and suggestions for people you would like to have on the pod. You can email me at luther.king.tsb at gmail.com. You can find me by way of Facebook by that same email address. Twitter at king underscore tsb. And on Instagram, it's lking.com. Cardinals fan 85. Until next time, thanks for listening to the Blind Broadcaster Podcast on the Luther King Broadcast Network. You've been listening to the Blind Broadcaster Podcast presented by the Luther King Broadcast Network. Each episode, Luther King sits down with fellow broadcasters to get their insight into their passion for broadcasting and discuss their career journey. Blind from birth, Luther King never let that stop him from attaining his goal of becoming a blind broadcaster. To find out more about the Blind Broadcaster Podcast presented by the Luther King Broadcast Network, search the Blind Broadcaster Podcast or Luther King Broadcast Network on social media or visit Luther King Broadcast Network network.com.